0: Hello and welcome to the latest BICOM podcast. I'm Richard Pater, the director of BICOM, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Yair Zivan, who, like myself, is a fellow uh, Brit living here in Israel, who's been working within the Israeli political system for several years. He was the international spokesperson for President Shimon Peres, and for the last six years, he has been the foreign policy advisor and international media spokesperson for the leader of the opposition, Yair Lapid, and the Yesh Atid Party. Yeah, Thank you very much indeed for joining me.
1: Thanks, Richard. I think
0: the other important part of my CV is I think my
1: first political-related internship of my life was at Bicon, so I'm um, coming ah,
0: fantastic. Thought- fantastic. So it's uh, it's we're doubly welcome to to have you here today. Um, if I can start just with a couple of kind of background questions, which I've asked uh, other candidates as well. Kind of first of all, um, does the country need elections now?
1: Yes, unfortunately, I think so. The the government that was set up um, eight months ago now was was a disaster. Uh, We were facing a crisis like the rest of the world, the likes of which we haven't seen for decades. But we were facing that crisis with a government that was completely dysfunctional. And it got to the point when decisions couldn't be made. They couldn't come together on the most basic things. um, Support for the self-employed, bailing out small businesses, a plan for cultural institutions and that that couldn't reopen because of COVID, so there was just no choice anymore. The health situation was out of control, the economic situation was out of control. Um, And despite the uncertainty that comes with an election, it it just couldn't be worse than, uh, than than the situation that we were in and what we had. So unfortunately, yes, we needed elections.
0: Who do you blame for kind of the breakdown and the dysfunctional uh, aspects of the of the government that we that we saw?
1: Well, I think it was a government that was destined to fail from the beginning. Um, we said when we uh, when we saw the government being formed, we said it wouldn't work. The idea of a government with two equal heads, each pulling in different directions, was, was destined to fail in 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 the best of circumstances. But when you add to that uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's personal interests which don't always align with the national interests, um, I think that was a recipe for disaster. And in the end, I think Benny Gantz and Kajola realized that they just couldn't bring Netanyahu to, to do the things that the country needed, and there was just too many political and personal considerations that were overcoming the, the national interest. Um, so first and foremost, this is because of Prime Minister Netanyahu, but it, more than that, it was just a government that was never going to
0: work. Now, we're talking today three, three and a half weeks before the uh, before the lists need to be submitted and then uh, and then closed. So we're still waiting in the stage of kind of the uh, potential mergers and acquisitions. Um, Your boss, Yair Lapid, has said that he sees himself obviously as the leader of the centre centre left block. How confident are you at this stage that other parties will come in and unite behind you?
1: Well, that's going to be up to them more than it's up to us. Um, Yeshatid is the biggest party in, in the liberal camp in Israel by a long way. Um, we're today bigger than almost all of the other parties put together. Most of the people that have created new parties aren't even crossing our electoral threshold. So they, you know, they're, they're not even, those votes are just going to be votes that are wasted. So Yeshatid isn't only the biggest party in terms of the polls, it's also the biggest party in terms of our party infrastructure. We have branches all over the country, we have Tens of thousands of activists, we have an infrastructure that's ready to go for elections. And so, in in every way, everything, everybody that wants to join a liberal alternative needs to join Yeshetid, get behind Lapid, and that way we can form a form a real alternative. I hope that will happen. We will do what we can to make it happen. But in the end, it's not just in our control. People are going to have to make the responsible decisions to, to allow that to happen. I hope they do it, and I hope they do it sooner rather than later. But I will say we have time. Uh, the 4th of February is the date when the lists close. Yes, and did. Israel, who created blue and white in what seems like an eternity ago. Uh, before that election, that happened less than 24 hours before the lists closed. And so we have time. This is Israel. Things tend to happen at the last minute at the best of times. And so I don't think anybody is, is rushing. The People who are more panicky i think are those who see that their political future is in jeopardy uh we're very calm um, we'll work professionally as we always do and hopefully we'll be able to bring about the the necessary unifications that we need
0: so you say that you have time that's uh that's kind of i suppose reassuring for the uh... For the, for the system. But just this week, kind of the opposite of kind of unity, you lost the, uh, the Telem faction less, l- led by uh, Moshe Alon, who's now not going to be running with you, or announced that he won't be running with you as part of a, a joint package. Could you just give us a background of what happened there?
1: Um, well, first of all, you know, Bogi Alon is, is a very well-respected figure in the Israeli political system. He has tons of experience, he's a very serious guy. Um, him and Lapid ha- disagreed about the way forward, tactically not strategically they both agree we need a change of government they both agree that we need to fight to root out corruption and we need a government that will focus on the right national priorities instead of what we saw now they both agreed at the time that this unity government was was, was a terrible mistake and that Gans shouldn't go on un- into netanyahu's government so there was lots of areas of agreement they disagreed tactically about the way forward i think Yalon believes um, he will be able to attract different voters if he's not part of yesha Tid, and that we will be able to attract different voters if he's not part of Yeshit, time will tell. Um, I think he's wrong. I think it was. A, I think it was a mistake. But it was a purely tactical uh, disagreement about the best way forward. Uh, they shook hands. They remain in good contact. We wish bogi along well. Uh, there's no. There's no bad blood. There's no major uh, major disagreement. The journalists here in Israel are all pretty disappointed that there isn't a more exciting story uh, behind this. But in the end, I think it's just a disagreement about the best way forward. I think that Boghiatlon, if he sees that he's not crossing the threshold by himself, or is only just crossing the threshold by himself, will do the responsible thing as he understands it, um, whatever that will mean as we get closer to as we get closer to the election. Do
0: you think there's a possibility that he could join forces with Gidon Saar? Kind of ideologically, they are both kind of from a uh, from from a kind of an authentic right wing position, but both kind of are anti anti Netanyahu.
1: Um. Possibly. I think you'd have to ask Bogiel on that. I'm not sure that that's something that, that is on either of their agendas at the moment. Um, you also have to remember that Bogiel has taken into his party um, people from the very left of the Balfour protests. Um, he has, uh, there's a lot of bad blood between him and Gidon Sao and between the two people who left Boggy on to join this government, Jarz Hendel and Svi Hauser, who were brought into politics by Bogiel on and then Abandoned him, if we want to use a gentle phrase, uh, in order to, to take up ministry jobs and, and committee chairmanships. So I don't know how easy that will be, but I think in the end there is a, a group building within Israeli politics that understands that Netanyahu has to move out of the way for us to be able to build something better and to allow the government that can function properly. And even if they, we don't agree about everything, we definitely don't agree about everything, it will be cooperation between those people, those sorts of parties as, as we get closer to the election and after the election as well.
0: Could you tell us, what is uh, what is Le Pitch relationship like with uh, with Gideon
1: Um, Very good. I mean, they, they've known each other for a long, long time. Um, personally, they get on very well. They're in contact. They, I think everybody knows by now, work together pretty well on the day when we brought the government down. Um, with, uh, with the famous night when we had people hiding in, uh, in, in outside of our parliament to come in and vote at the last moment. But that was a good, a good joint effort. Um, Lapid led it from the Knesset and Gidon Sal obviously from outside. So I think they know how to work together. And that's really the most, the most important thing. There is a huge ideological gap between them. Um, we shouldn't lose track of where Gidon Saar is on the political spectrum. But he's somebody who I think we would like to think, A, uh, is committed to the fight against corruption and B will put the national interest above his own personal interest and that being the case in a country that's pretty divided like Israel him and Yelepid can work together and, and overcome ideological differences as long as the, the basics of, the, of, of agreement are there so we're sure we can work together with Gidon on so
0: okay and just back to kind of the kind of you mentioned the ideological differences. Back to kind of to your camp of the uh, centre-left center camp, I say that deliberately, I don't know if you prefer centre-left or, uh, or, or, or centre, but you also lost um, uh, your, the number two in the party, Ofer Um what's, what's, what's going on there and do you think there's any chance to, uh, to reconcile those differences?
1: Um, Well, I think, first of all, look, Yeshatid is a a centrist party. Um, We always have been a centrist party. We have people who would define themselves as centre-right and people who define themselves themselves as centre-left. We're very proud of being a centrist party. We have a a long and detailed uh, platform and and, an ideological set of beliefs behind that that puts us in the centre of the political map. For the purposes of of the current political situation in Israel, I think uh, Yer Lepid is, is the leader of the liberal camp in Israel. Um, and that's where that's where we see ourselves. And that allows us to unite people who are both to our left and to our right and believe in basic liberal values um, and, and in the liberal direction of, of the state of Israel. Uh, in terms of offer I think offer again um, felt like he could do better out on his own. Um, I think we're seeing that that isn't the case. Um, he's polling at very, very low, below 0.5 percent, nowhere near the electoral threshold. Um, and, and I think it, I think it's a shame. I think it was a mistake to, to do that, both the way that he did it and the act itself, but um, part of being in politics is, you know, people have their own ambitions and Ophel is both uh, very intelligent and very politically experienced um, and made his own decisions. In the end, look, I think he already came out with a statement um, saying that he's looking to join forces with people he is more likely, I think, to join with the, with the further left. So I would imagine he will probably look to join with Meretz, um, with the Labour Party, if they ever get themselves sorted and have a, a leadership election, because they're in a kind of a limbo now for the next probably 10 days until they can even decide if they're allowed to have a leadership election or not. So I imagine he will find himself somewhere within that kind of constellation. I think that's what he's what he's aiming
0: for as well. If you're going for the kind of for a a big camp, and I think there were some quotes in this in this newspaper this morning uh, about the yeah, Lapid kind of talking about the, uh, the 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 idea of this big this big camp to uh, to campaign against uh, clearly in the anti Netanyahu uh, block. I mean, if we, if we recall, a year ago, um, he, uh, Lapid famously set aside his ego to let uh, um, Benny Gantz lead lead the party, and again he kind of. Um, cancelled his own idea of uh, his ambitions about being a, in the rotation of the leadership. These were genuinely serious compromises. Do you think there's any more compromises that he would prepare to do this time round? And if there's anyone else that he would be prepared to be the number two behind?
1: I think we were, uh, we're, we're done with our compromises. Um, you have to remember that when Lapid moved aside uh, as number two to, to Benny Gantz, it wasn't only that he took a step back it was also that we put behind that effort the entire party infrastructure. Benny Gantz had no party infrastructure. He took the entire infrastructure of Yeshatid. Um, and, and that's what, that's what ran in, in all three of those election campaigns. Um, and I would say, by the way, it's a testament to the importance of that infrastructure that when Benny Gantz decided to join the government, despite the appeal of government jobs and uh, being close to people in power, um, no one left Yeshatid. None of the branch heads, none of the senior activists, none of the key figures in the party while well, one Knesset member uh, left, everybody stayed loyal to the party and to, to Ye'eh Lapid. The same, by the way, when Ofer Shelach left. Um, he took with him no one from the party, even though he's been with the party from the beginning. So I think that infrastructure now expects, that party infrastructure now expects that it will be Lapid that leads. We, I'll put it slightly more bluntly maybe, and this is after long enough in Israel, I can leave the British understatement part of me to, to one side don't trust anyone else uh, to make sure they don't compromise on our values and our principles anymore we're not going to leave that in somebody else's hands uh, to work for a year very very hard uh, to, to change the government and then to have somebody take your vote and use it to prop up the very government that you were trying to replace uh, is a, uh, a very difficult political experience and not one that we will repeat so illipid will lead i think he's also the natural leader of the camp now the liberal camp in israel again, in terms of the polls, in terms of the experience, in terms of the ability, I don't think there's any real question mark over that now. Um, and you see, even when new people have entered the system or people have tried to create their own framework, none of it is, is, is really picking up.
0: And You mentioned kind of the infrastructure you have across the country. And kind of this is noted by other analysts as well. It's been quite, quite impressive. That's kind of keeping you at a very stable, respectable base of numbers around the early teens, the kind of the size that your party is now and the kind of where the, where the poll is at. If we go back to your founding seven years ago, that was I think your height of 19 seats. Question is, to, to, how do you break through the glass ceiling into the, uh, into the early 20s to kind of really challenge the Likud?
1: So first of all, I don't think we have a glass ceiling. Um, I don't buy that theory. I don't buy that analysis. When there were polls before Benny Gantz, when it was Lapid and Netanyahu head-to-head, there were polls that had us at 27, 28. So I don't believe that we that we do have a glass ceiling. I think we what we do have is a very, very solid foundation. Before Benny Gantz, when it was Yair Lapid and Netanyahu head-to-head, we were polling at 27, 28 seats. And so I don't buy the theory at all. We do have a hardcore of support that stayed with us through everything, 11, 12, 13 seats worth of voters who are very loyal and believe in what we're doing and feel a part of what we're doing and have stayed with us. And one, you know, in the polls already, I'm not too worried about polls, but in the polls already, you can see us creeping back up. There was a poll in the Jerusalem Post last week that had us on 19. There was a TV poll that had us up on 16, joined with Gideon Sal. So you're already seeing those numbers start to creep back up. And as you clean away the wasted votes on the centre left, I think you will see that start to merge back together. And you know, If you imagine there are now four or five or six or seven seats hovering under the threshold and Benny Gantz and Ron Haldé, uh, his new party, both pretty close to the threshold. If we can start to bring those votes back to us, we're already above 20. We're in the mid-20s already and then we become the, the serious challenger to Netanyahu.
0: Of course, your, your, your party doesn't work on any pretension of being an internal democracy. It's at the whim of your party leader. I know you've added uh, Mayor Ab Cohen, who's a popular minister from Blue and White, who's joined your ranks. Um, are there anyone else that you're looking to bring in that you can uh, give us a preview? Perhaps someone from one of the, the minorities even? So
1: in terms of the, the democratic element of the party, we're actually going through a process of dem- democratization of the party now. Um, we already said that during 2021, there'll be, uh, there'll be a party conference with, uh, with an ability to, to, to choose the leader and, and other elements that are being worked out, um, being led by, by senior people within the party. So that's happening. I think it's good that that's happening gradually and professionally. And so we don't end up wasting the, uh, the, the very solid foundations that we've built. Um, in terms of other people, we set a very clear criteria. Uh, we want people who fit our values our principles, our ideology, our ethic, uh, who want to come and work within the party, want to be team players who are in this for the long haul and not looking for uh, a job the moment they come into politics, Um, but people who want to really come and work. And so if we find those people and they're right and they're the right fit, great. Um, If not, we already have, I think, probably the best team of Knesset members in Israel. We have former major generals, we have former deputy head of the Mossad, we have senior police chiefs, we have uh, former mayor, we have people with experience in the business sector, in the private sector, as well as in the public sector. So we're very confident in the list of people that we have. I will say that um, we will make sure there is adequate um, female representation within the list. Um, our own standards are a minimum uh, of 40% uh, female representation in every 10 of the list. So at least four of the first 10 and four of the second 10, um, ideally more than that, of course. Um, that is something that that. Will happen as the as we as we form the list and we, and we build the list for, for Knesset. Beyond that, um, it's it's too early to say about any particular particular
0: people. What do you make of uh, of of Netanyahu's latest uh, um, uh, alliances or dalliance with the Israeli Arab public? And is there any moves for you also to kind of to include an Israeli Arab on your list?
1: Well, we've been working with the Israeli Arab public for for a long time anyway. Now it's uh, it's. Uh, part of what we've been doing that was led by Ben Barak and and others. So that's something that that we will continue to do in in this campaign as well. In terms of specific people on the list, I don't know to to say yet, Um, but it's certainly something that's being looked at. Again, the point is also to have people who are are good and who fit our values and and fit our ethics and want to achieve the same things we want to achieve. I think Netanyahu's approach to the Arab public is pretty cynical uh, compared uh, to his treatment of the Israeli Arab public during the last years certainly and during his election campaign and straight afterwards when he essentially dismissed them as irrelevant when he used them as a threat to the country. I think the Israeli Arab public is much smarter than that. I would note that it's interesting that the part of the Israeli Arab public that he is reaching out to politically is essentially the Israeli, uh, the Israeli branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. It's the, uh, the Islamic movement. I think that's, uh, that's an interesting development from, uh, from Netanyahu's point of view. More generally, I'll say, I'm glad Israeli political parties are realizing the importance of the Israeli Arab Republic. I hope everybody reaches out to the Israeli Arab Republic. I hope we can integrate them much better uh, into the political system and into society. So overall, despite the cynicism, I think it's it's good for the country.
0: And uh, what what should we look out for? What would be your key campaign messages?
1: I think what you will see from us is, first of all, a positive campaign. Um, a campaign that's focused on what we can offer. And so that will be uh, refreshing, I think, in the Israeli political environment, which can be hostile and nasty and dirty. Um, we're used to Netanyahu and his, uh, and, it, and his mudslinging campaigns. We know that he'll go negative on everyone all the time. You know, there'll be scary music and he'll call everybody leftists and, and do all the usual stuff that he does to try to whip up kind of division. And, and we're not interested in that. Um, we will offer... A, a government that is liberal in its values and sane in its, uh, in its management of the situation. Everybody that you talk to in Israel, if you ask them to describe the situation now, uh, it's chaos. Um, and so what we will bring is uh, some calm, some professionalism, um, some professional sanity to, to the situation, and a set of liberal values that say the judicial system is independent. A free media that uh, criticizes politicians is a good thing, not a bad thing. Um, Corruption is something we should have zero tolerance for and we should set higher standards than the legal requirements for politicians because that's the kind of role models we should be. Um, Equal rights for minorities and the LGBTQ community, things that if you're a liberal are are basic uh, that we think should be advanced in Israel and we will be pushing for, for those things. On the international front, we're a party that believes in a two-state solution. We always have been. Um, it is the only solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and we will keep working to make that happen. Um, so those are the those are the kind of issues that you will see from a government if we're given enough power and enough votes uh, to, to, to be a force, a major force, and to lead the next government.
0: And Finally, I mean, how confident are you of victory, if I can ask you to make a prediction of how many seats do you think you'll win?
1: Um, you have to be confident and optimistic if you're in politics, there's no there's no other way to survive, certainly not three elections in 18 months if you're not by nature confident and optimistic. Um, it's hard to put a number on it, but I would say above 25 would be my guess, um, although prophecy is, is for fools um, and, and certainly dangerous in the Israeli political context, so I, I look forward to being sent this 15 seconds back to me on the, on the day after the elections. Um, hopefully with messages of, wow, you were right, but also aware of the possibility that it could be different. Um, but we are confident. We believe we can unite the, the liberal camp in Israel and, and create the real alternative to, to this government.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah. thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thanks, Richard.